0: Hey, what's up, folks? Lifetime Longhorn Rod Davis here. I'm pleased to be joined by fellow football theorist, uh, also a football theorist for Inside Texas. And he's also the author of America's War Game on Substack. Go check out his great work, Mr. Ian Boyd. Also, he's a lifetime longhorn, too. Let's not forget. I'm sorry about that, Ian. I got to throw that in the intro. What's going on, bro? How you doing?
1: Good. I was worried for a second I'd been stripped of my <laughs> title because of my bad Oklahoma predictions. Oh,
0: man, we're all in that one, no doubt. Um, yeah, I know. Hey, we, and we all got the business on Twitter. Uh, hey, Longhorn fans, this is part of being a, 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 person, a personality and being a Longhorn football analyst. We were all confident going into that game that Texas was the better team. I still actually feel like Texas was the better team, but they weren't the better team on that day, no doubt about it. Oklahoma earned that win. We'll talk about it and break it down. I'll give Oklahoma credit. I'll give Brent Venables credit and Jeff Levy. That was a hell of a game plan they had, man. They were ready for that game and well-prepared. So we'll break it down from every different angle. Uh, first, you know, we asked a question prior to the uh, Texas-Oklahoma game that I think is worthy of addressing. You thought it would be a good idea to bring up the hypothetical thought experiment again, and I think it is. So uh, basically, before the texas OU game, I proposed the, <laughs> the thought experiment. If you had the Texas roster and Oklahoma roster and as a Texas fan or Oklahoma fan, uh, you can take any players from the opposing roster to help upgrade your roster at that specific position. As a Texas fan, is there any player that you would you would draft, essentially, from the Oklahoma roster to upgrade the Texas roster at that position? And I believe we ended up with maybe four. Um, you said Stutzman, for sure. The stud. Yeah, I think I had one and a half. Or maybe you had
1: one and half. I said, I said that you said the kicker and Stutzman. I said maybe sure. the kicker and and definitely Stutzman. i um, actually, I'm downgrading the kicker. <laughs> I would stick with Sideshow Burt.
0: Hey, Burt, get hey, I'll give him credit, man. He showed up at the right time, no doubt. Great way, great way to have a bounce back game against Texas, Oklahoma for Burt Auburn, which we'll get into that too. Um, yeah, so maybe you're right about that When I think I brought up the, you know, maybe you would look at the, um, the quarterback position just because Dylan Gabriel was a veteran quarterback, but most people look at the upside of Quinn Ewers is way higher than if Dylan Gabriel's upside, uh, but Dylan Gabriel did ball out in that game. He does have that dog in, him, as the young folks would say, he got that dog in him and he showed it. Um, so we at least entertained that conversation. I believe also, man, we talked about
1: Billy Bowman a little bit. Um, I don't remember, but I would trade any of Texas safeties for for one year for Billy Bowman okay and i um, I don't think I said that before the game which okay.
0: uh respects huh
1: <laughs> a little bit of an oversight but that that would be I would be like a clown not to say that now
0: yeah he played a, nah. he
1: played a great game
0: nice nah, damn good player I agree I think mean, we like threw it out there but uh yeah man no doubt a bit of humble pie because they had some some standout performances from some guys. The wide receiving core, I thought, was underrated. Listen, the Texas wide receiving core is legit. I'm not saying I would trade any of those pieces. Uh, that wide receiving core looked legit. Uh, Farouk uh, was the real deal and made a lot of plays out there against Texas. All right, uh, hypothetical thought experiment aside, let's dig into this thing, in. Let's talk about it a little bit. Um, okay, from the jump, can I tell you one thing I like? Because I know we're going to seem very critical, and I don't want to be overly critical because, I mean, <laughs> Texas had a chance to win that game. They're up with 77 seconds left. All they need is a a defender to go out there and make a play, and they couldn't in those uh, six plays. One thing I really liked about this game and the way it started, and by the way, if you're just a college football fan watching and not a Longhorn fan, hell, man, this is one of the greatest college football games you've ever watched (laughs) when you think about all the drama that played out and how it ended on the game-winning touchdown with 15 seconds left for Oklahoma. Um, But Sark, I think, now knows how to coach in this game, Ian, and that's important. He, he has learned from the first two years coaching in the game. And the lesson that I think he learned, and players should know it too, but coaches especially, in this game, you cannot allow your opponent to monopolize momentum and monopolize energy. You have to match it. You have to respond. You have to answer, whether that be on special teams, defense, or offense, because it's such a unique environment that the momentum swings are uniquely extreme. And when they happen, you can end up on the downside of a landslide, which I have been, <laughs> if you allow the opponent to monopolize that momentum. I think he learned it when Caleb Williams showcased uh, himself on the big stage in Sark's first year when he was up for touchdowns. I think he learned it last year when he was like, man, Oklahoma's got no shot. Momentum is all on my side. I got it all. Uh, he monopolized it la- uh, last year. I think he, he saw it that he monopolized in the first half. In the his first season, uh, and then he lay. Lincoln Riley took it back, snatched it back, and never allowed Texas to get it back in the second half, and won that game. Sark learned that lesson. You go back and look; they had a throwback um, on the kickoff return that they didn't execute, but it was it was thrown in there early. Savion and Red made a good choice not to throw it; could have been a disaster. Uh, but they had the Red Cat pass early on uh, fourth down conversions. The fake punt; uh, they had a block punt early, and win. Sark was asked in the post game, hey, a, a lot of those tricks that you had, the exotics early on, did you plan those? Or were those situational and circumstantial? And he was like, no, nah, we had them already ready to go. We knew we were going to use them. I think Sark – and by the way, Venables, too, give them credit. They started out hot. I think both of those coaches, because they had experience in the game, Venables, too, they know how to coach in this game. It's a, It's like a heavyweight boxing match, man. You better respond or you're going to end up, like I said, on the downside of a landslide potentially.
1: Yeah, you're going to get – your lights punched out before your opponent punches himself out of energy. Yeah. I like that. You're you're just not gonna make it. There's no there's no holding back. Um, but that actually was almost why Texas won the game is that uh they both traded punches early. And they it was just I mean, the first quarter was like an hour long, right? It was amazing. It's great. It was crazy, crazy <laughs> swings in both directions. Um Yeah, both teams just punching as hard as they can. And uh, Oklahoma was wearing down on defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they they just made one play that we'll get into later with a sack on, I think, second down, right? It was was on the last, uh, first down, that first down sack. Oh, it was a first down, first down sack. Yeah. And uh, Texas could not make a play on defense late. In fact, uh, my buddy Inside Texas member Shane Ware was noting to me today that punt block attempt kind of killed Texas in that game because they had a stop and they did not get another stop after that. And they allowed, they run into the kicker. Mm -hmm. They don't block the kick. Oklahoma goes on to score that drive. And then the rest of their drives are, uh, end on like a missed field goal and then the winning touchdown. Yeah. Like turnover to on
0: downs. They have a turnover on downs. Remember that? And taps on the coverage. But you're right. They went into a stall kind of after that, into that last drive. And you know what's brilliant? though? This is why you got to give Dylan Gabriel some credit, man. He's got some testicular fortitude. The, the, the play, the play before that, running into the kicker, his the best play. Snap,
1: that was his dude. best play.
0: It was made. It was it was ba- his best play was them keeping him out of a negative play. Yeah. He runs back and he he, he just gathers himself. He recovers the, the, the blown snap, the muff's the snap, and he instead of falling on the football, which he could have done, or panicking and running out of bounds or something, which would have cost him, I don't know, another what 15, 18, 20 yards, something like that. He just yeah. calmly gathers himself, throws the football out of bounds, and it ends up being fourth and three. That's when Kelly Robinson runs into the kicker that's when they get the ball back. If he had if he had fallen on the football, it would have been like, I don't know, fourth and 23 or something, and it wouldn't have mattered. They still would have punted the ball and given it back to Texas. But now fourth and three, running to the kicker, that's all they need. Boom. That, that was brilliant. It was Texas a brilliant probably, play.
1: Texas probably goes for a return if it's fourth and 23. I mean, they're going to get, the get the ball in midfield. It was gonna be a great field position. If he just fallen on it and
0: panicked, it was like, oh, that's great. You know, he could have
1: panicked and then Texas could
0: have chased him down and forced him to do something crazy if he'd have tried to do, you know, change direction. It was just a level-headed, smart football play. He didn't panic. Usually people panic in that situation. There was no panic. That was a brilliant play.
1: It was, yeah, that was. I mean, that was their Dunkirk. They rescued their <laughs> army. Uh, I mean, that the game, the game might have been over if. If he it's just fallen on it, it might have been over. If he had tried to do something and had it go horribly wrong. Yep. Like he dives on it and it squirts out. yeah. And then exactly. Muhammad is, is, is high stepping into the end zone or something, or he, you know, panics and sack stripped or it, there's a number of things that could have happened that didn't happen. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And then, and then Texas tries to be aggressive the next play. And then just two plays right there. I agree. Really enormously instrumental. And honestly, until today, I hadn't even thought or talked about it that much with anybody. It's it was like, you know what? That actually was a huge sequence right there.
0: Yeah. It was a nice swing. And we, we didn't think it was an underrated swing, but it it might have been the best play that Dylan Gabriel made. He made a lot of great plays. Um, let's let just kind of start he at did. the beginning here. He did, <laughs> he did, man. I, I'll give him credit. Like I did not think. And by the way, let's start with Dylan Gabriel. We might as well just start there. I always say, and I've told you this too, in the win big games, you got to break tendency. It's because big games, marquee games, coaches circle them. Rivalry games, you know, big non-conference game, Texas, Alabama. Um, hell, in Texas high school football, you'll play. You know, your Westlake. You you know, you play one of those high school football powers. Coaches got that game circled and they do extra preparation for those games in offseason, uh, in spring. Sometimes they'll even covertly put uh, some of that game plan and preparation into weekly game plans, getting ready, getting their team ready for stuff like that. I mean, I've even talked to my man Drew Kelson about these. Like, man, I used to have blitzes that were, you know, we would put into game plans for a week. One and I'm thinking to myself, man, we didn't even run that in week one. And then we get to Ohio State game or something like that. And then we're running those blitzes. It's like, oh, we were okay. He was getting me ready and making sure that I'm acclimated and familiar with those uh, schemes. So there's extra prep done. So in order to work to make that prep and extra prep work against them, because they're doing thorough, exhaustive research about trends and patterns and you know your tendencies and habits, you gotta make that stuff work against them. I'll I'll give no, Venable's credit, and I'll give Sark credit. Sark broke tendency a lot in this game, and I thought, and, and and when he didn't do it, actually was when it was upsetting the goal line and early on in the game he didn't, but he did try to break tendency. But the biggest tendency breaker in the game was what won the game, and else for Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel had not run the football like that, really ever in his career. Um, he he matched his uh, uh career high in rushing attempts of course in yards and of course in yards per rush but in terms of design runs i gotta go back and try to see if he's ever had that many design runs he only had four scrambles i counted five quarterback draws and that was the killer in he had got damn this 60 yards off just quarterback draws alone and i think that was the the tendency breaker that texas wasn't ready for initially and never quite adapted to
1: yep the uh this the draw i think it was like 4 for 65 or something 4 for 63 i added it up um and then the scramble was also pretty bad which is yeah i mean just the draw is just in a, a design scramble right pretty much i mean it's yeah with blockers in place yeah it it's very they're very similar i'm curious yeah. now if he's ever run that the ball that many times in his career i bet he has but
0: he has what he had one, it tied his career high in rush attempts. He had uh 14 in some other game at UCF, but I, I'm with you. I don't know if he had that many design runs. Pro Football Focus had him with four scrambles. Um, which which I've not really... even
1: seen him at 14 ever before. Yeah, I
0: think Pro Football Focus oh, yeah. had him at 14 Maybe they had him at 13 and then uh he was at 14 rushes total by ESPN stats. So I uh, you know, I haven't done it myself, but if 14 was his career high and he. If that was the case, then he did tie that, um, and I would I would venture to say, just off and I it, it might be the most designed runs he's had, yeah, as a, as a quarterback. That's no why.
1: I mean, and that was the reason they won the game, was because he went over 100 yards rushing. Yep. Which is, I don't I don't feel that bad that I didn't see it coming, honestly. But when Texas beat Oklahoma in um, 2015 with that big upset.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when they almost beat him in 2017. And when they a lot of times when Texas punched above their weight in this game, it's because Gerard Hurd or Sam Ellinger ran for hundred yards at quarterback. Yep.
0: Yeah, and just had
1: and just had to take over and, and do it for the team that day. In hindsight, Oklahoma had to do that because they were never going to run the ball very effectively on this Texas defense with the traditional run game. But just the fact that they were able to do that and it was so successful is just yeah. tip your cap. That's, but that's a tough, that's a tough so, thing to swallow, I think, for Texas.
0: It is. You know what? I'm, I'm with you. I'm not going to blame them for not anticipating it just because – remember, we brought up it could be the backup quarterback that could come in in a package, which they had shown, by the way. They had shown that earlier this year they had brought their backup quarterback in the quarterback power package, short yardage, goal line. So we were thinking, oh, yeah, to threaten Texas with the quarterback run game, which they have been vulnerable to, being to bring the backup in. So it was out there, but not with Dylan Gabriel, which was, like I said, the ultimate tendency breaker. But the the Longhorns did not really adjust well to it at all either, and you're totally right about the non-traditional run game. That was their running game. They knew. That was smart of Oklahoma. There's no way we're going to run, you know, and man-to-man and go up and beat Texas uh, in a, this straight-up blocking scheme, especially with that interior defensive line of Texas. We need to find a non-traditional way to run the ball. It was Dylan Gabriel, and they lined Farouk up in the Wildcat. They uh, gave the jet sweep to Drake Stoops a couple of times. And I want to say if you take those and the quarterback run game out of it, they're averaging less than three yards per carry. So Texas, the the, the, the the traditional run game did not really matter, but they found a way to supplement it and balance that offense out. Got to give them credit for that. And, you know, still talking about Dylan Gaby, were you surprised at the missed tackles? So, sorry,
1: Texas? the, the fact that it was draws and scrambles made a big difference too. Give it to me. Because, like, the he um, had the quarterback power <clears throat> in the first drive, but the reason that that play was successful was because – Texas had like three guys chase motion. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was a breakdown by Texas. Uh, I mean, it was blocked pretty well, but um, the draw and the scramble, I think Texas defends the quarterback run game really, really well in general, but on draws and scrambles, instead of focusing on contain the edges are like, now it's time to go get them and they get up field and you got these like generally light, fast dudes on the perimeter that are shooting upfield. And then all of a sudden, there's vacancies underneath. Mm. And so I think Texas is actually kind of vulnerable to draws and scrambles. Against um, Jalen Milrow, they played a lot of zone. Yeah. So they were mostly okay, although he did his damage.
0: Eyes on and the quarterback.
1: Against Gabriel, they were spread out too much by the formations. and uh, And I don't think they were as well prepared for it. And uh, that really that really killed him. So not not just quarterback run game, but specific quarterback runs that can actually exploit Texas.
0: No, it's a good point The Sark ended in, in the in immediate availability, he said um toward the end, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, Yeah, sometimes you know, just trying to sack the quarterback, the guys are so eager to do it that they're undisciplined in their pass rush lanes. They're all they're thinking about is oh, get the quarterback. And it's like, yeah, but you actually broke the rules of the defense trying to get to the quarterback. And like you're talking about Oklahoma just makes you pay for that being undisciplined. That's so you're right about. And and by the way, this is something that Stark was bringing up even in spring, right? We were talking about uh, being out of your pass rush lanes. You talked about in training camp a little bit with the Arch Manning, 20 miles per hour story. This is actually something that's come up multiple times, you know, low key that Texas gets out of their, their lanes in terms of the pass rush lanes, really interesting stuff. Good stuff there. Um, and I'll, I'll throw this out there, too, since we're talking about Oklahoma. What do you think about the missed tackles? Texas actually is averaging, if you look at pro football focus numbers, they're just averaging 10 missed tackles per game if you just average it up over the game. They missed 13 in this game versus Oklahoma. But I don't pay attention to missed tackles as much as I do the uh, the additional yards gained after, after the missed tackle. Because you can have a missed tackle and then somebody comes and cleans it up real quick. And he only got two yards. two cares about a missed tackle um, if you're blowing up the play? Um, but by my count, Texas allowed almost 130 yards extra after missed tackles. A lot of that with Dylan Gabriel. Um, that was a little surprising, too. And how about this? And this is a situation. Did you notice most of the missed tackles occurred? Hell, you know, probably half of them occurred on the the last drive of the half, like the last drive of the first half. How many missed tackles were in that kind of that two minute mode? And. Yeah. And I'm thinking about that and also thinking about the last drive, which we'll also get to of the second half, where Sark says they had communication breakdowns and coverage busts, and he also had a missed tackle. Texas definitely needs to work on defensively the two-minute drill and how, how they need to be more, um, really more organized in the chaos of the two-minute drill. Because it seems like that, that pace, which we'll also – let's talk about that real quick. The pace may have given Texas some issues, not just the pace in the two-minute drill, which we just talked about, but overall the up-tempo of the offense. It how much Drew Kelson told me that he thought it neutralized Texas pass rush. Did you think that the the pace of it, the up-tempo offense of the veer and shoot was able to kind of neutralize the big big dogs up front?
1: Yeah, I think it, it definitely did to some extent. But um I, th- I think what stood out to me more was a lot of those missed tackles were on the perimeter. Yeah, against speed, where you really can't afford it. Um, and because of the spacing of that offense, if you miss a tackle, there's not anybody else that's really that close to clean it up, so the damage is worse. No. Um, I something I noticed, I'm very very much want to hear cornerback Rod Babers on this. I thought Texas's cornerback play in this game in terms of tackling was pretty bad. Tackling on throws underneath the, the angles to close and the tackling on those was not very good. And then there was a lot of crack replace that mm-hmm. was not very yep. good. Yep. Where The receiver. So everybody listening at home, the receiver goes and, and, uh, leaves the corner to go block a safety or a linebacker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and the corner sees that he needs to replace that guy yep. in the in fit. Um, yep. So that the receiver cracks, the corner needs to replace. And um usually when that happens, like you're gonna give up a couple yards if the ball gets outside. But for Texas it felt like they gave away a lot of extra yardage with mm-hmm. slow reactions from the corners and shoddy tackling.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, I'll go check the numbers on the corners. Uh, and and yeah, but yeah, but this is the point you just made, and I I love it too. Um, it's not just the missed tackles, and there is, you know, everybody's got different definition for it. Hell, you gotta always say you have to attempt a tackle to miss a tackle. There's just some bad angles to the football too with players I noticed in the Oklahoma game, and that doesn't count as a missed tackle, but bad angles to the football means you've basically done as much damage because you've eliminated yourself as a, as a defender in the play. But I love what you said about the crack and replace where, you know, they're forcing some of these corners. They forced the corners to come down and, and play run support. And, you know, some of these guys, obviously uh, they struggled a little bit in that. So I think that's something they'll work on in the uh, you know, in the bye week as well. I'm a corner. Trust me. First of all, you got to yell it There's a communication to let your guys know they're getting cracked because linebackers don't appreciate getting cracked without knowing it. Um, but, yeah, the, the thing about that, and I'm sure some I'm – su- I'm surprised that Oklahoma didn't do it, maybe because Texas was so bad at it. They didn't, they didn't actually have the crack and go ready to, you know, ready to deploy. Um, that's what I was always worried about as a corner. Uh, they'd get me on the crack and go. Um, that I'd be too enthusiastic to come stop the run and set that edge, and they'd get me on the crack and go. Uh, but you're right, Texas really hadn't been tested to that extent. And this is why I wanted Texas to face, like, Jalen Daniels at Kansas. You know, facing three backup quarterbacks in a row, it is it's very lucky. And, you know, it's something that, you know, we joked about and I don't know the odds of it, but that's pretty wild. But it also, I think, gave Texas a false confidence going into the Texas Oklahoma game about their ability to defend a quarterback that can move, and about the secondary's ability to defend the receivers and tackle in open space. And maybe even run fit, because Kansas can run the football a little bit too and test you in that area. So not having Jalen Daniels, I'm not saying that he would have beaten Texas or upset him, no, but he would have exposed Texas in some ways. And Texas coaches, I'll give them credit, they do fix problems. Remember the offensive line was a disaster in the Rice game, and then you go into the Bama game, and Sark said, I'm going to get it fixed, and they got it fixed. Um, I I almost wish Texas would have been exposed in the Kansas game a little bit more in the secondary. And against a a true dual-threat quarterback, and I think they would have had less of that false confidence going to the Oklahoma game that they could hold up and maybe they had a, a a better game plan, a more, I don't know, more informed game plan, if you will, because I'm with you. I think all of us, we miscalculated a lot of things on, on about the Texas defense, if that's fair to say. And they yeah. were in oh, this game.
1: Yeah. They, they didn't have anyone do them as solid like yeah. Oklahoma did. And just putting a flashlight on everything that's, Not quite there. Yeah, we'll get into that more later. But yeah, I mean, Jalen Jalen Daniels is a better and more dangerous quarterback than Dylan Gabriel. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna. I I agree that it's because they won the big game, which is that's what you want to do. The whole point is to win the big game. But sorry, the the Jalen Daniels is a better player, and um, it would have been very valuable to have faced him. Yeah. it's probably – it was probably a little bit of a loss to your point not to face J- Jalen Daniels. That could, I mean, that game could have been interesting, but Texas kind of dominated it. And, yeah. Uh, and I think they would
0: have, but I guarantee you because of the point you're making, he's so skilled. He'd have made enough plays as a dual-threat quarterback, as a passer, and, and I guarantee you PK would have went, all right, we got to tweak some things here, guys. We got we to fix this
1: There would have been a sense of foreboding – and anxiety yes. around Texas. Yes. Like, yes. Oh my god. That that dude just hung 30 on us, or whatever he would have done. Yeah. That would have led to a little bit different uh play probably against Gabriel.
0: I agree with that, man. I really do. Um, okay, so we'll get to some specific stuff here because uh obviously there are a lot of <laughs> um, controversial topics coming out of this game. What in your opinion do you want to start with? There's like four and this to the goal line. Last offensive drive for Texas, last defensive drive for Texas. Um, I want to talk about the first two plays for Texas, actually. So I think, to me as a football theorist, they're kind of controversial. Where do you want to start among let's, those?
1: Let's start at the beginning.
0: Okay. You want to start with the first two plays for me? Yeah. I thought they were a bit predictable. And here's why we know oklahoma has been preparing for this game and they look well prepared. And this game, and that, that play, the mm-hmm. interception showed me how well prepared they were. So when Texas goes 12 personnel, second play of the game, they go 12 personnel and they shift to empty formation. I know for you, Ian, it, I know it was familiar to you because you watch a lot of film like I do. It was the first play they ran in the boundary game. They actually, same thing, they shifted to it. It was a little bit of a different shift, but they they kind of a starburst shift to it. And they went trips with the two tight ends and the running back. I believe they were to the boundary. Also in the Bama game to the boundary and the two receivers twins to the field route combinations were the exact same double slant for the two wide receivers in the twin side, running back screen to the trip side. Um, against Bama, they threw it to the trip side. The game actually 10 yards got a first down. It was CJ Baxter instead of Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks was the running back in the Oklahoma game. You go watch Oklahoma as soon as Texas shifts you got like four or five guys that all do the same hand signal and they all do it. I would love to find out exactly what they did, but I think they ran, you let me know exactly how you saw it. Um, I think they ran some form of zone to the trips and some form of man to the, to the twin side, the corner to the twin side. I know this. He does not move. It is a straight flat foot read. He's guarding AD Mitchell, number one receiver. And he does not move. His feet, though, he just sits on the route. I mean, it was like he was sitting on a toilet. So, to me, that showed, oh, he knows it's going to be a quick throw. He knows right now. And, and Quinn immediately is looking at the twin side. He's telling he's throwing it there. Uh, the, the safety on the back side, he rotates to the, sing, to the deep high, the single high, and the linebacker rotates underneath the number two receiver slant. And essentially, Xavier Worthy kind of clears that linebacker, but it's way later than Quinn's ready to he's – not, he's not that patient with it. He's ready to throw it. You can, you can tell he's ready to throw it because he pumps it because he sees the defender flat-foot reading it. This is how I know we got – Quinn's maturing as a quarterback because he didn't want to throw it. But he can tell – Sark was telling them it was a predetermined read. Just throw it. It's going to be wide open. Don't worry about it. It's always going to be open. And he just clutches it sees the defender and still throws it, he probably later on would, would tell you, man, I saw that and I still threw it. That was that was stupid. Um, but I think it showed me that Oklahoma knew exactly what was coming. I mean, they knew the route combination. They knew from the formation, personnel, and the shift. And that's when I knew, second play of the game, oh, this, this team is prepared. They've been doing their homework. They've been watching all the film. But that was one of Sark's favorites to start a game. And they knew it was one of Sark's favorites to start a game. That was a bit predictable. Even even if you dress it up a little bit differently, it, it was a tad predictable, no doubt.
1: Yeah, that's where you kind of want to go like sluggo. Oh, Like you've yes. seen this before, right? Nope. <laughs> yes. yes. Come on. Uh, Great tendency. You know what somebody that was there noticed to me, though, Shane, again, uh, Texas huddled quite a lot in this game. Hmm. Um. Just what do you Brent think? Venables because of the noise. Has, uh, Brent Venables has a certain reputation for being particularly good at knowing what's coming. Hmm. Um. Yeah. The the ACC, all the guys. One one time, you know, those Athlon anonymous coaches say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one on Clemson one year where it was like one coach was like, "Look, the only team that could do anything against their defense last year was Pitt." What does Pitt do that everyone else doesn't do? They huddle, <laughs> and uh, and uh, Ryan Day in Ohio State when they finally caught him in the playoffs in a, wow, was it twenty twenty? They had all kinds of huddle and tempo oh. shenanigans that they played. Interesting uh, to play against that, and so that seems to have been. So this is not an excuse. Wow. But it, that Sark seems to have been aware and that seems to have been his, one of his solutions was we're going to we're going to send the play in some with a little bit of huddling so that they can't. OK, I like that. I like I,
0: I like it. I is like to <laughs> think like that. Hell yeah. Why not? If it if it if, it, if there is a if there is a tendency or a trend that you see that's working. Hey, I'm all for trying it out. I'm not opposed to that. But I like your idea about the sluggo. That's that kind of would have been the perfect call for the sluggo on the outside. Because that's how you kind of make their their preparation work against them. So I just show
1: like it anyway because you're gonna get the flag when they grab you.
0: Because <laughs> you know he's gonna grab you. Coach already told him, hey, if you get by you, because hey man, we don't really have much help, grab him.
1: Throughout and- the game, there's there's another play, I'm trying to think of what it was, where they broke tendency. They like showed the play that everyone knows is coming. With the hand and touchdown? Was- the helm maybe that was a and good one there's a I, there was a couple there's a couple where oklahoma raced to where they knew the ball was going like they did like throughout the 2000s with Venables. Yeah. you know they just oh no trust me it. i know <laughs> and then uh and then and then whoop um, yeah but they also got caught a couple times yeah like, texas
0: dropped that screen remember that screen with that throwback screen they do and yep. Oklahoma knew it, man. They
1: were ready. It was a timeout call before because I think Texas screwed it up somehow, and they did it again. They knew it. They did have one though where they sh- they it looked like it was going to be the screen, and then it actually was in the flat to Whittington.
0: Oh, uh, I think I think I do remember this. Yeah, and they
1: also it was earlier in the game, and then they tried to go back to the screen, and Oklahoma stuffed it. Yeah, and then there was another one where they did the deal where they put Whittington at fullback. Love that. And as soon as he saw it, I was like, are they going to do this again? And they did. And at first I was like, well, Oklahoma covered it, but Quinn hit the throw on the corner out. And then it turns out that Oklahoma only was able to cover it by just grabbing wit anyway. So they also got flagged. So, um,
0: Yeah, I I thought he broke Tennessee. I just thought he didn't do it at the critical moments. Right. Have, you, you, have you noticed in the NFL and even my man Shannon, Kyle Shannon, the head coach of the 49ers, he talks about how he steals plays. He that he has no shame in saying, Oh no, that was a great concept. I'm stealing it. Like I'm taking that. And he gives coaches props. He talked about how he stole from Mike McDaniel the what they're calling the cheat motion, this little quick burst motion they use with Tyreek Hill. Almost CFL style to get him, you know, basically a running start to the line of scrimmage, which is totally unfair. And yeah. um, he said, "Yeah, he used it now with Debo, and now Sean McVay uses it, and, and, and Matt Lafleur. So basically, that Shanahan coaching tree—they're all using it. Um, Sark used it in this game. He used the uh, the cheat motion a few times. Did you see it? Yep. It was yeah. I, I was like, oh, Sark, so that's crazy. I knew it was going to come because he loves that coaching tree." but he's already on it. I love that. Anytime you come into a big game and you're just using new things, I love that. He also broke tendency because um, I, I've seen him use the Big 12 package, the one-back two tight ends Where Malik Agbo is the extra tight end, the sixth offensive lineman. They used the Big 11 finally. Oh, they did? I missed it. Yeah, they used the Big 11 finally with just three wide receivers on the field. And Malik Agbo, just the sixth offensive lineman. That was a big play. It was a good play, too. They used it a lot. They went mostly Big 12, but I, I like that. That's something I hadn't seen either. And do you think it was circumstantial, or do you think it was um, intentional, deliberate, that Jay Witt was featured so much?
1: I I think that was uh, Oklahoma has a big linebacker safety hybrid guy, Desan McCullough. Yeah. And we talked about it before the game. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Figure out What where McCullough is, and target him in the passing game. And uh, I think that that's why Whittington had such a big day. Who would have done that with Sanders, too, if he'd been healthier? Uh, But Witt did fine. He did. They they had a great success uh, hitting him there. That was, yeah, a weak spot for Oklahoma that identified and and picked at pretty successfully.
0: That's a good point. I remember you saying that, too. And, I mean, Jay, Witt had his best game in the Longhorn ever. Uh, that's a hell of a game to have in the, the Texas OU game. Um, and, yeah, even in the jumbo package, uh, he brought out Tavante Sweat in the jumbo package. I'm not saying it worked. Uh, we're just talking about breaking tendency here. and he, So he did break tendency in this game, he just in critical, crucial moments, early in the game, on the goal line. Uh, we didn't see him break tendency enough, in my opinion. Um, okay, let's continue. So we obviously talked about the start of it. Um, what's next on your list? Let's go down the line here.
1: Let's talk about um, the goal line deal. With, with okay.
0: Scott. Go ahead, brother. The floor is yours. Uh, <laughs> it sucked, as Sark said.
1: His words, by the way, it sucked. <laughs> they were this close. They were. Every single time. Um, I thought they got kind of a crappy spot on fourth and goal. I thought they pushed. They actually they blocked it pretty badly, but they had Sweat and Murphy at the point of attack with Campbell. So they just Mm -hmm. kind of pushed and pushed and pushed. And they got Wit, not Wit, they got Brooks to like the one-inch line. It was almost even conceivable that he actually broke the plane. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when they blew the whistle. And then they they gave him, they spotted him at like a full yard off or a yard and a half off when they threw the screen. So I I thought that was a bit of a raw deal. But I I think – that is, this has been like a lightning rod of conversation, the goal line deal. I thought using Murphy and Sweat was good. I thought it mostly worked. Mm-hmm. And what killed them was their guards and their third string center. Uh, those yeah. were where the breakdowns occurred. Um, the first play, Oklahoma just sells out and stops it. And I don't think that they, I don't think that their blocking call was the right one, because they flared out to hit the guy on the edge, and they should have yeah. just emphasized like a, when they ran it again, they didn't do it that way, and they emphasized a double and let the edge guy come free. So they're like, look, just get push up side up the middle. If McCullough comes wide off the edge, whatever, we we'll
0: forward. Yeah.
1: But when they ran it that way, they blew their blocks at left guard and center. And Murphy and Sweat had to run in and clear out tackles. And then the linebackers came free. Um, and then the second play, uh, Campbell missed his assignment. He took he, he was too deep on his pole. Mm-hmm. And so the guy he was supposed to hit smacks Murphy in the chest. Campbell has no on the block. And everything just kind of goes sideways. So just... The Jake Majors thing was really tough in this game.
0: Yeah, that was brutal, man.
1: They played well enough to where it wouldn't be an excuse. Um, and Robertson played – he played well enough that no one really wants to dump on him because he was put in an impossible situation. Exactly. Right. So – but it was – there was a lot of times where that held Texas back.
0: Yeah, I'm with you because – I mean, I'm with his first action being thrown in there as, he, as you pointed out, he's essentially the third string center in a Texas OU game, the most physical game that they play in his conference, and that's his first action. I, I'm with you, man. I, I thought I thought he actually played pretty well considering the circumstances. Uh, the circumstances.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and
0: I because trust me, man. I I've been in that game. That game, the emotional charge of that game, I cannot imagine what his heart rate when they're like they like hey. God, you're in the game. He's like, "What the?" <laughs> and it's just do, 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 do. Uh, so. Yeah. I, I actually thought he was pretty good, but you're right. He, he was his position. That position, he, he that was a weakness at that point, and it would be for any team in the country who had to play their third string center. Period. Yes. Um. And yeah. So that we don't talk about that enough on the goal line. You're right. I only. I don't think I brought that up enough on the goal line. That's one of those you know subtle nuances to that conversation that probably shouldn't be discussed more than hey, let's keep in mind. Their most important position on the offensive line, they had their third string in there. Um, yeah, it wasn't yeah, Travis didn't...
1: Kelsey. <laughs> no, you're right. I didn't, some I, I don't, have say. we some don't talk have about do tush push or something, and it's like they don't have Travis Kelsey out there, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Jalen Hurts. Wait. Oh,
1: wait, wait, Jason Kelsey. Sorry, I, I, I Jason Kelsey, the center, uh, the center, the center the yeah, field. yeah, yeah.
0: We know who you're talking about, we yeah. know, we know, we know you're talking about Jason, not the one dating Taylor Swift, but the other not one. That one. one. <laughs> um but no i i think here's my thoughts on the goal line thing i support i support it all even the the jumbo package bringing in sweat because i think Sark was is trying to make a statement Sark is usually very clever and creative and innovative with his play designs and concepts um he, he went away from that he wanted to play bully ball uh, that was it was kind of like his i call tom herman mensa meathead because He would make these really kind of just he always believed that football was essentially moving another human being against their will. He would say that that was kind of his quote he would throw out there. And that was a Tom Herman move to me. It's like, I don't care about creativity, innovation. I'm not trying to get guys out of the box to hell with that. I'm going to I want you to know what I'm doing. And I want you to know, because even if you know, you still can't stop it. That's how dominant this is. That's the statement I'm making. As a matter of fact, I'm bringing in extra big humans to help me make this statement. And I want to make it with the world watching. And I supported it because I was like, it's a line of scrimmage game. You got to go win on the lines of scrimmage. Truth is, if you can't get a, a one yard, right, four tries in the Texas OU game, and you average 325 pounds per man on the O-line, you got the biggest O-line in the Big 12, yeah, you don't deserve to win the Texas OU game. That's what it comes down to. And when Texas can get in there on four tries on the one-yard line, um, then you deserve to win that game. I, that's one yard, man. If you told those offensive linemen, hey, man, you had to get one yard to win the Texas OU game, is essentially what it came down to. All of them would tell you, hell yeah, we're going to get it. you damn right. Four tries? I only need one. And they couldn't do it. That was, they're going to talk, be talking about that goal line stand for Oklahoma for the next 30 years. That's their Stony Clark goal line stand. And uh, it was a hell of, I I thought, I I thought there was no way they're going to stop Texas on four downs and they did. And I think Sark was intentionally predictable and he did panic at the end and went, Holy Chicago. I can't believe we didn't get in and he didn't have a play ready. He kind of admitted that in the media availability, if he could change anything, he said, yeah, I probably would change the sequencing. I'd run the third play on the second down and I'd run the fourth down play on the third down and I'd have something ready to go different on fourth down and I think he he admitted that yeah that was probably bad predictable play calling by him but like I said I support it because I would have been predictable too and I think I would have predicted if you put in I don't know five you know uh what is it five offensive linemen they had six offensive linemen so you're talking about 2,500 pounds essentially of human being blocking (laughs) for a running back on the goal line I thought they'd have got it into but they didn't so give Oklahoma props on that They also were well-prepared, man. They came right off the butt, usually, of that lead blocker. They knew the lead blocker was going to lead you to the point of attack, and they just were more physical than Texas in that game. Yeah.
1: I would have – so if I – I agree with him that that screen on fourth down was just kind of – Blah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they know you're going to try to throw it. So if you Mm -hmm. come out in a spread, they know you're going to try to throw it. Um I, I kind of wish that they had either just run that same play again, honestly, <laughs> um, or sent in the Red Cat.
0: Oh, now that would have been the move.
1: Because the Red Cat just has a little more option to it. I don't know mm-hmm. if they had any Red Cat plays saved up they hadn't run yet. I don't know if they even really need one. Because you just it's very, very hard to stop that play the any play any of those plays so but this is all i mean this is all Captain hindsight i yeah. anyone can watch me on youtube with aaron hogan and i say before <laughs> that sequence i'm like you know i don't think texas red zone struggles really extend to their jumbo package their jumbo package <laughs> has been nails all year and i'm like oh i didn't get it oh i didn't get it again okay oh and then i i couldn't believe it every time <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? What are the odds? Seriously. So, uh, <laughs> did you
0: really say that right before? That's great. That's fantastic. I did. I did. <laughs> it's on the record. I was uh, right too. I think you are right. I thought it it's some st- brilliant money.
1: It's astute, but it just that one time you're like, no, no effing way. Yeah. It was a it was, a bad, it was a bad weekend for Ian Takes. I'll tell you. Oh,
0: man. That's great. Oh, man. That's good stuff. That's what football theory is all about. It's, they're just theories, people. All right. <laughs> until, until the game is played, they're all just theories. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I'm not that upset with the play calling necessarily because I'm with Sark. I, I think Sark was just thinking, there's no way they stop us. Even if they stop us one down, they're not going to stop us on all four. And turns out uh, they did. All right, let's jump to the last offensive drive for Texas. And this one's interesting because Sark was asked, you know, he, he was asked about the goal line sequence of plays, and he said it sucked. He actually said it sucked, and he admitted he would change some things. When he was asked about the last offensive drive for Texas, where Texas had to settle for a field goal um, before Oklahoma got the ball back with 77 seconds left, Marshall length of the field in 62 seconds and scored the game when he touched down, he said, Ian, that he wouldn't change a damn thing. He didn't say, damn, that's me. He just said, I wouldn't change a thing. I would do it exactly the way I did it. Um, all right. You know what? Uh, sometimes you do have to be stubborn in your beliefs and your philosophy as a coach. I mean, that's part of it. You got to believe in it when nobody else is going to believe in it. And Sark is not necessarily a coach who's um, pigheaded to the point where he won't admit mistakes. He does it all the time. So that's why we like it. He's very authentic and forthcoming. Do you think he made mistakes? on the last offensive drive. And there's things that he should have done differently.
1: I I think reasonable minds can disagree on that. Um, he said that he, he had a sense of uh, Sideshow Burt's effective range and he wanted to make sure that he was in it. Yep. Um, I think ultimately I would have rather he – maybe still run the ball on third down, but then throw it on fourth and try to let Quinn and the offense go win the game. Um, Maybe you could even see if you could – I mean, I would have applauded him, honestly, if he had thrown like a double move or something on fourth and four and tried to score Mm. from 45 out. Because God knows they don't score from 20 out, right? (laughs)
0: It's easier on explosive plays, <laughs>
1: or it, yeah, or I mean, I, I, I would rather have held the ball. But I, don't, I just I can't blame him for what he did, but, but I would rather have tried to win with the offense. And, um, in the moment, I kind of wanted him to go for it, but I was also at peace with not doing so. I thought the defense would play better frankly on that last drive he did too yes
0: um th- with, with with um how hot quinn was at the time with that did that play a role in your yeah your thought process because he was hot yeah. he was just yeah
1: the sooners are dropping like flies yeah they're clearly beat they're clearly exhausted um you had them on the run they did they did make that sack on first down but i mean you got him yeah. beat if if no. you'll, it was it was a big risk, but it, the field goal was a bit of a risk too. I thought because now it's like, well, he made the field goal, so obviously that was right. What if he hadn't made the field goal? That's true. He, he's not he's not a guarantee this season. <laughs> the field position is pretty bad. Although Oklahoma marched down the field so easily, Texas might have ended up with like a minute to score. I don't know. That's, you know that's a great point, Ian. So okay, that's a
0: great point. Think about it. So Burt Auburn has been really inconsistent this year. He's the biggest game of the season. So, man, you wouldn't think that this is going to be the game your inconsistent kicker turns it around. Your quarterback started inconsistent. He did. He started with two picks. But I'll give Sark a ton of credit. Man, did he he get Quinn back into a groove. I Listen, I've played with some quarterbacks. And I've, hell, I've had some games where you let one or two bad plays early spiral into a bad game. <laughs> um, and that can happen to anybody. That did not happen to Quinn. He showed a lot of grit and fortitude. I mean, he, the battle pad, those are humiliating picks too. one in the red zone, second play of the game. And then he bounces back. And was he 24 of his next 25? I think. in that game where his last 25, he was really hot. And I, I'll give shark credit for that too. Cause he does have a nice symbiotic, not a uh, chemistry with his young quarterback, but if you look at it, he had more faith in his kicker, who was inconsistent, than his hot quarterback at the time. Because his hot quarterback was rolling. And I'm with you. If A lot of people are thinking, man, Quinn's got him. And I, I even watched some of the, um, the live the in-game live, watched you guys, and you guys talked about how tired the defensive line was for Oklahoma. They were, they were high, hands on hips. Oh, man, they were gasping for air. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Stark's feel of the game was off, Period. The last two drives, when you're talking about Texas offense or the Texas defense, because he talks about complementary football. My biggest issue is not necessarily with the play calling in. I think he should have milked more time off the clock. Now, I know what he saw. He saw personnel changes that he liked in the, in the secondary for Oklahoma. They moved Key Lawrence to corner. He was like, oh, man, I got matchups galore that I love. And he didn't want them to have time to change anything or root group. And I get that. Um, he also, like you just say, talk, so how tired they were. He was like, oh, man, they're tired as hell. Let's exacerbate that issue. Let's go. Let's go. But, man, he's hiked the ball on four four downs right before the the injury the timeout. Tanks hiked the ball and went up-tempo and hiked the ball with 28 seconds. Clock is running. 28 seconds left on the play clock. 28 seconds left. 27, 23. If you just milk those down to, I don't know, half the time – maybe 28 to the 14, 27, go 13. Man, Oklahoma doesn't have 77 seconds. They probably have closer to 30-something seconds. And I think Sark had miscalculated how well his defense would perform because a four-minute offense is meant to milk the clock and you be the last, basically last team with the football with a realistic chance to win. And I don't think Sark did that enough. I think Sark was in offensive coordinator play caller mode and not in head coach mode. Because head coach would milk that clock just a little bit more. And he didn't. He didn't think about that.
1: I, I, it's just tough because you're not winning. You have to score. That's true. So whatever you do, it has to work. Yep. And I think that if they had gotten a little closer and in field goal range, they would have started to really milk the clock and just run the ball and settled for a field goal to win it. Um so I think that they were kind of thinking we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a minute. Yeah. Once we've secured the prize, then we can be a little more intentional. So and then the sack.
0: And yeah, then the sack, sack changes everything. Yeah. I, I can
1: see that because the sack did, you get
0: he recalibrated, he made it. I recalibrated after the sack. I had to. I changed everything, and then he had to settle. After the sack, because they weren't in Auburn's field goal range, then it was the the priority was getting Auburn comfortable to a place where he could feel confident kicking that field goal. Here's
1: here's so. an argument. Here's an argument you could just sort of blend them. Is if you're committed to using some tempo in attacking Oklahoma while they're tired, then you got to see it through and keep attacking on fourth down.
0: That's true because you're here, aggressive. You've, aggressive.
1: Already you've already committed to aggression.
0: Great with point. your play clock management. Mm.
1: So that so yeah, that may be that may be the sharp the sharpest critique there, I think.
0: I love that. That's America's war game, people. That's war game thinking. I like that. Yeah, you're gonna commit to it, commit to it. You agree, you committed to aggression. I totally agree. Uh the Texas defense did not commit to aggression um that last drive. Uh, six total plays, one of them being a penalty, so five actual plays. Um, and the only time they brought Blitz pressure was on the last play, which was the touchdown uh, play on on that drive. And here's my big issue with the last drive on on defense. And Sark, so I'll give Sark a lot of credit, man. He's such an honest uh, coach. He gives you just kind of honest feedback. He was up there for like 28 minutes. It really answers a a lot of questions Uh, and was really forthcoming. He admitted there was a breakdown in coverage, a coverage bust, on the Drake Stoops 20-plus yard reception on that last final defensive drive. So with that information, now we know, because also in the game-winning play for Oklahoma, there was a coverage bust as well. David Bender did not bump the coverage um, from Derek Williams, a young buck over there, and he and Jaron Thompson were supposed to be playing some form of tango, uh, where a tango is basically when uh, two defenders are playing two different receivers, and either take, one takes the outside cut, one defender takes the inside cut, or one defender will take the, 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 the first uh, route, that develops and like basically the lower route, the more shallow route, and the other defender will take the deeper route. So you just play tango, and they were going to tango that up. And Jaron Thompson got the check. David Bender did not, and he admitted that. By the way, So David Bender, give him credit. Uh, he admitted that was his mistake. So that means on three of the six plays, six total plays, you had a penalty, which was a pi as well. On six of uh, on those six plays, three of them you had either a missed tackle, a penalty, a coverage bust or a breakdown in gap integrity because Sark said also on that last play, they had two players, Ethan Burke and Terrence Brooks in the same gap, rushing the same gap on the blitz. So the one play they did blitz, they did not execute it correctly. And so three out of the six plays, you beat yourself on that last drop. Basically.
1: Yep. They, uh, I never, th- I, th- I never thought that they looked quite as tired as Oklahoma got on that previous drive by Texas. But it's plain that they were emotion that they were mentally tapped out. Because they broke and lost their composure on that drive.
0: Great point. Yep.
1: Do you think Sarge
0: should have called the timeout? That's just something we've been discussing. After they get into the red zone, maybe right before they run. I think they run actually right. Okay, they get into the red zone with the Drake stoops reception. Then they run, they get a PI call, then they run, I think, quarterback draw again, something like that. Um and do you think at one point there Stark should have called a timeout just to address the point you brought up about composure? Listen, we don't give up the field goal now. That's done. All right. Now we're just trying not to give up the touchdown. And we're just trying to make sure that you guys don't have coverage bust and that everybody's on the same page. Would that have been worth it for Sark at the time?
1: Or maybe a personnel change or something. Yeah, I couldn't have hurt. And they're th- probably thinking th- save time for the last drive. I don't know. You know, you they can't were. you can't assume that Oklahoma's like the eight. Like you can't assume that they're just going to score quickly. So I, I think they should have called a timeout.
0: Yeah, uh, that's kind of how I feel too. I think start kind of missed
1: an opportunity on that one. The- they were <laughs> also Rod. It's crazy. They they made two mistakes on the blitz, on the touchdown, and if they don't make either mistake they sack Gabriel. Yep. They had two guys in the same blitz path. So, sort of like on the Oklahoma side, they're crowing about how their left tackle, Walter Rouse, Black makes this great play and blocks two people, which he did credit to him. It's not supposed to be two people there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, And, uh, and then the, the coverage bust that you just detailed. If you get either of those two, right. Then you have the situation that Texas, should have been trying to create for the entire game, which is five foot ten, Dylan Gabriel, surrounded by massive people,
0: <laughs>
1: and the walls are closing in. You know, yeah, and he doesn't know where to go with the ball.
0: Yeah, because so, it wasn't it wasn't a complicated matter of fact. They ran the same play, same personnel, and same formation on the first play of that game winning drive, and on the last play. And I wasn't the same. It was the same play and everything. Switch route they ran on the backside. They just ran it in the goal line. So obviously they saw something they liked against the Texas defense, but it wasn't that complicated. And even Sark said, We've been running that coverage all year long. It wasn't something complex. The guys just blew it. They just, in a critical moment, they made just a mental error. Um, Okay. Let me ask you about this. Talk some big picture stuff real quick while we wrap it up. At what, what in this game now do you think is going to, what happened in this game that exposed Texas in some ways is going to concern you going forward that could potentially derail. All right. This magic season Texas is five and one. And by the way, I think we all thought they'd be five and one at this point, right? I mean, we just thought the loss would be to Bama (laughs) instead of Oklahoma. Um, But what are your thoughts now? Thinking big picture, thinking about the macro um, what concerns do you have now coming
1: out of this game? I have two and a half concerns, big picture right. concerns. I think two of them are linked, which is red zone and interior offensive line. Mm. I think, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the red zone issues are mostly interior line issues. I like that. Okay, because they are so explosive between the twenties, and they've scored. Um, I just I wrote this down for a column. I think they've scored literally half of their offensive touchdowns from outside the red zone. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, Brooks is awesome. But when we've talked about this, when the field compresses and teams aren't spaced out as bad and the run-pass conflicts aren't as bad, then the Texas run game, it becomes about overpowering your opponent at the point of attack. And Texas just does not do that consistently um, with their interior offensive line. They're just not quite there. Uh, I like that. So that's that's one. That was a concern we had coming into the season, right? Um, they've been pretty good in pass protection.
0: But no, not that. I'm with you. Yeah.
1: I thought that the run blocking was fine because, you know, every once in a while Campbell will maul somebody and Brooks was averaging 100 yards a game, and he ran for over 100 again in this game. Yeah, This game made plain that a lot of that is like Oklahoma State running back kind of deal, where it's like it's the spacing and the run-pass conflicts that do it. It's not the offensive mm. line. Mm. Um, and then the other concern is this secondary is just not as good as I thought it was. And I'm starting to think, like, you know, we, we talked about they have all these safety rotations, right? And they're constantly yeah. playing different guys. And I'm starting to think that a big reason for that is that Derek Williams is legitimately, like, this close to being where he yeah. should
0: start. Just do it. Because... by the Bible week, right? Just do it.
1: They just don't have... They don't, the other guys in this team just don't have the range that he does, except for Crawford, who uh, just continues to be inconsistent with leverage and assignments. The mm-hmm. other guys are all like um, Catalan, Thompson, Taff. None of them are just, they just don't have as much range as Derek Williams yeah. does. He's a different yeah. level of
0: athlete. Yeah, he's a five tool safety. He's a guy you can pretty much bring in the box, you can drop him as a si- single high. You can have him cover the slot. I mean, he can do all the – his range yep. in terms of – in terms of range, not literally range, yes, but skill set range is so many things you do. I agree. I'm with you on that. It's pretty obvious. Yep. He's uh, He's got feet like a deep – like a cornerback playing safety. So I'm with you on that. I agree with that. Uh, what's your – you said – is that your two-and-a-half yeah. right there? Yeah. That's your two-and-a-half? Um, all right. I think – I don't you mind. Yeah, red so zone. red I zone, love- zone my- and offensive yeah. line yeah, I I like what you said because yeah. nobody actually has talked about that being a, a issue pinpointed with the red zone. But I'm with you. It, d- it doesn't make sense to have this many weapons. You're gonna have three NFL draft picks on offense in the first what two or three rounds next season, and Jonathan Brooks is a top five running back in the country right now in terms of productivity, and you have issues in the red zone. It doesn't make sense, it's nonsensical, it's stupefying. Uh, but I like what you said about me starting maybe with that interior offensive line. All right, and uh, any other last thoughts before we wrap it up? Sorry, it went long, man. That was a lot to cover, um, and um, I'm glad you stuck around. Yeah. Anything else? Last thoughts?
1: Um, I just saw odds that have Oklahoma as a one to one favorite to win the Big Twelve, hmm. and then Texas is like, uh, what's Texas? Six
0: to five. Uh, and the value
1: fourteen to one. Guys, <laughs> me and Rod have talked for a long time today. Okay, there's a lot of problems that were demonstrated in that game that need to get cleaned up. Third-string center, NFL tight end, playing on a bad leg, blows a block on the first play of the game on what otherwise might have been an 80-yard Xavier Worthy touchdown. (laughs) And a lot of these things are just like like red zone and secondary – some of this is going to get cleaned up. Yep. Like it, maybe it won't get cleaned up in time for Texas to have like a national championship season. Like some people were daring to hope before this game. But they are still the best team in the Big 12. I don't care. Oklahoma fans, what <laughs> are they going to do to me? They've already been me all week.
0: You're Texas, asking for it, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> Texas
1: is a better team. Texas will be favored in a rematch unless things happen between now and then. Dylan Gabriel can't run for over 100 yards every game. This is still it's still Big 12 Championship or bust, and Texas is still the favorite. That's it. Uh,
0: let me ask you this one thing before we jet now, because now I got to ask you this: Do you root for Oklahoma to win out? No. So you no. can beat. No, what? No, don't you want to beat an undefeated Oklahoma and then catapult yourself to the college football playoff? Isn't that the dream?
1: You don't want to do that. No. No. What, you want Oklahoma to lose to West Virginia? Rod, Rod, let me tell you a story. <laughs> two thousand eight. <laughs> two thousand eight. It was like, okay, we they need Texas to beat. They need Oklahoma to beat Texas Tech. And so I went into that, and that was just that was a fact. Like your deal, we don't. Texas doesn't need Oklahoma to win out, mm. even to make the playoff. I don't think they need Oklahoma to win out in two thousand eight. They needed tech. They needed Oklahoma to beat Texas tech or else the season wasn't going to come together. Right. They, so I remember going into that game with my college buddies. We're watching at home and we're all rooting for Oklahoma and Oklahoma. (laughs) It was Oklahoma just starts like curb stomping tech. And then they're playing like jump around in the stadium. It's like 45 to seven at halftime. The fans are going nuts. And we felt sick.
0: <laughs> it was like
1: just the worst moral compromise. You never ever you never root for Oklahoma. But the point I, my thing is, and you're
0: right, I, I don't disagree with that. It is it is a strange, disgusting and killing. it
1: blew up in their faces too. Because the did.
0: you're right about that. But what I say is I I wanna take down Oklahoma at their peak. Um, and the revenge factor is is playing heavy for me. I want the revenge game, of course, all Longhorn fans do, but I want the revenge game to be sweeter than the, even the Texas OU game could have been. And the only way it can be that sweet and sweeter than the Texas OU victory in is to spoil the it's to spoil the national title hopes for Oklahoma. That I, I want to play spoiler and catapult ourselves to yeah, the to is- the college ball playoff. That's Because like, if they'll give you, they're going to give you a bump. If they're undefeated, they're going to give you the bump of bumps. It'll be the bump of bumps, baby. You want that bump. Come on, Ed. Come if on. Tex- Come on to the dark side.
1: Come if on. Texas stops Oklahoma from going to the playoffs, they'll be doing them a mercy. <laughs> that's, a mer- that's a mercy killing. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma wants no part of a Georgia or a Michigan oh, or an man. Alabama. Whatever. We should send this to uh, Oklahoma fans because Ian, okay. you just want that smoke, man. You know
0: they're coming for you, don't you? You know they're coming for you. You just won't stop, will you?
1: Yeah. Oh man! Right, a, I mean, I already have like two threads devoted to me at Sooners. Exactly. I've
0: seen some. I've seen some like Oklahoma uh, Twitter folks out there, and they drop your name every now and I'm like, oh man, oh man, Ian, getting the business. Uh, all, all right, right. I'm gonna save Ian. I'm gonna keep him from getting himself in deeper here with Oklahoma fans. And man, I appreciate the time. Sorry it went long, man, but it was too much fun.
1: Next time, maybe it'll be tighter. Yeah. We'll you. <laughs> all right,
0: I don't know what we're talking about next show because it'll be a bye week, so in now will figure something out. Uh, all right. I want to thank you guys for joining us for another edition of Football Theory. Uh Join us next week when we'll pick it up and talking more more Longhorn football. We watch the film so you don't have to hook them.